You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 126 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have another very, very exciting episode. We're back to a full, normal, I guess, kind of episode for Take a Bow with the red carpet episodes that we've been having lately, but uh, very excited to bring it back and continue on our creative side of the industry guests. This one is with a very, very special guest. He is a casting director over at the Telsey office, I'm sure Many of you who are performers have seen their Instagram, their open calls, who have auditioned for them before, whatever it may be. Uh, they cast pretty much everything, all of your favorite things. They've probably casted it. And this guy has probably done it single-handedly. So this week's episode is with Patrick Goodwin, who I absolutely adore. He's casted me in a few projects that we'll get into. Um, very exciting stuff. And uh, he also was able to teach me last year over at Pace University, where he teaches as an adjunct professor. So uh, very excited to get him on the podcast. This was a long time coming, so I'm very, very excited for it. And uh, yeah, before we get over to that, I think we should talk about some Broadway news, shall we? There's a lot to talk about. I don't want to make this super long intro, but I apologize if it may run a little long. That being said, let's start out. And I just want to say um, the world lost a lot of meaningful people and influential people on a lot of people in the industry. And particularly to us over here at Take About, we lost two people that I knew um, quite well just being in productions of theirs. Uh, Chet Walker, who is a performer, a choreographer, director, all the things. Um, he was my choreographer in Pippin on Broadway when I did the show. Just an unbelievable guy. Knew that I could not dance, but always took the time to help me out in any ways that he could and was always able to find alternatives to make sure that people were feeling comfortable. And I think that that's something that was really really important and and opened my eyes as a young performer in the industry. So very sad to hear that Chet Walker passed away. Wonderful man. Everyone who ever crossed paths with him just adored him. He cared so much about you as an individual, um, and he could know nothing about you. Yeah, but he just genuinely cared, and you felt that. It was amazing. And, of course, he was so influential in the process of Pippin because he was actually in the original production of 
Pippen that was ever done. Unbelievable guy. So sad to hear that he passed away. And another person that that's just absolutely heartbreaking is Lucy Simon. Uh, she wrote, for those of you who don't know, she is most known for her work in writing the music to The Secret Garden, which obviously I, I've talked about. I've done a performance of it. Um, we did a benefit performance of it of the 25th anniversary. It was me and Gabriella Pizzolo, who you can see on Stranger Things, as the two little kids. And then we had Max von Essen and Bradley Dean. And then we had Rebecca Luker reprising her role as Lily. So it was just, it was really special. It was truly, truly special and forever grateful for that production. And with that being said, because it was the 25th anniversary, Lucy Simon was heavily involved and she came to a couple of the rehearsals. She came to both performances that we did. Just a wonderful human being, gave us so many gifts in the world. The music to Secret Garden is simply amazing. I mean, people still sing it to this day and uh, you know that it's an impactful piece of art when, you know, it goes on forever and it's kind of timeless. So um, with that being said, those two, and then of course we lost another amazing human being, Leslie Jordan passed away this week, which is just heartbreaking. The famous comedian. I mean, this, this guy literally could not, not put a smile on people's face. You know, it, it was just impossible for them to even like be in the same room or watch his videos. Cause he was heavily involved in social media and like, not put a smile on people's face, no matter what they were going through um, or or what was happening. His work is just absolutely incredible and someone who I admired for quite some time. So just heartbreaking, these three, uh, how influential they've been to the performing arts community in all sorts of different ways. You know, Leslie as a comedian and Lucy as a writer and Chet as a performer and choreographer. It's just it's a lot and um they their work continues to live on and continues to inspire so many people and we are just forever grateful for for all of them so um just heartbreaking that it was just one after another it just seemed like it wouldn't end um just truly heartbreaking so with that being said i just wanted to reserve a space here in today's episodes to honor them and uh yeah, and to thank them for their incredible contributions to to the arts and to all of our lives, truly. Um, so with that being said, not so much news here, but I do want to talk about what Take a Bow has been up to this past week. Very exciting stuff's been going on. We've been doing a lot of shows. We've been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work. We did a whole behind-the-scenes work all weekend with I Put a Spell on You, volunteering our time over at Broadway Cares. Just unbelievable stuff. That production, they do it every year. I've had Jay Armstrong Johnson on the podcast to talk about it. That was actually last year for to promote that one because I worked on that one too. It, just very exciting. His brain is brilliant in how he creates those shows for everyone's entertainment and continues to bring the Broadway community closer together and raise unbelievable amount of money for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, which is such a special organization here on Broadway and in our community. So huge shout out to I Put a Spell on You. You can actually go watch it starting October 30th on Broadway On Demand. It'll be up there for a week. And if you donate, I believe it's $35, but it may be whatever 
your heart desires. Um, you can donate more um, if you would like, or whatever it may be. You can watch it on Broadway On Demand. It was absolutely amazing. It was the first time in, I believe, three years, maybe two years, uh, that they were able to do it live and in person. And it was the first time at Sony Hall. And this space was just unbelievable, so perfect. And so many friends were there. I was able to meet so many Take a Bow family members for the first time in person, uh, like Samantha Polino. And I was able to see Julius Rubio and got to meet so many great, great people. Um, there were a ton of people there. And, and it was awesome because I had to be in like black clothing. So I actually wore my Take a Bow hat because I knew the logo wasn't too distracting and it was subtle enough and all the things. So I actually wore the hat and it's my only black hat. So I wore it and uh, a few people were just like, oh my God, is Take a Bow um, going to be doing a live show here? I love the podcast. Keep doing it. Like, it was just so fulfilling to hear um, the fans of this community who were coming to support Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS to then just being like supporters of the show. So that was one of the coolest things of the night for me. And uh, truly appreciate you all for for kind of giving a shout out or supporting and whatever anything that y'all are doing. Um, it's just it means the world, and I, I will continue to do this as long as it's making people happy and uh, providing some entertainment, and people are are wanting it. Um, Anyways, that being said, oh, one more exciting thing that's been happening for Take About is, um, well, I guess it hasn't been happening, but it's going to happen where today, actually, probably while you're listening to this, I will be at a private presentation of Griswold's Broadway Vacation. They're doing a presentation. They obviously did the out-of-town tryout. I talked to Ken Davenport, who is the lead producer on it, uh, about the show, and uh, they're doing a presentation here in New York to continue to get investments and see where they're at with the work and everything like that. So I'm very excited to go check that out. And I will let you all know how that is because I'll get a firsthand look at it and like, you know, in a rehearsal space, not in like a big show. So it'll be it'll be pretty cool to see. Um, okay, now it's time for like real news. What's going on here in Broadway? Let's see. Take Me Out opens on Broadway yesterday, uh, October 27th. It's today, October 27th, when I'm recording this little intro. And Parade over at City Center will be uh, premiering and making its first performance on November 1st. I'm actually going to that opening night performance of Parade at City Center. So excited. Ben Platt, Michaela Diamond, John Dossett, all these wonderful, J. Armstrong Johnson, who I just mentioned, all these wonderful, wonderful people who are going to be performing. And I'm so so excited for this. Douglas Leones, who is a Take About family member, Eddie Cooper, who we've talked to many times on the red carpet in our episodes there. Uh, just so excited to to be able to go to this show and uh, hopefully see some of these people because uh, they're, they're just all incredibly talented people. And uh, with this show, I'm, I'm just so excited. I, I literally, this talent with this show is just going to be so special and I cannot wait. Um, so happy opening and congratulations on reopening to Take Me Out and Parade and congrats to everyone involved in, in those productions as well. 
So as always with Broadway, we always get like exciting news and then it's like, oh no, type news that comes along with it. Um, Very exciting news is that Matt Doyle is going to be starring as Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors beginning November 15th over Off-Broadway. I'm so excited for him. I cannot wait to see him in this role. I love Matt Doyle, his performance in company. I mean, granted, he, he won the Tony for it, so I don't really need to say much about it, but it was just so ridiculous and I'm such a fan of his. So I am so excited to see this. But with that being said, that means he will be succeeding Rob McClure, who will have his final performance on November 13th. I am so sad that Rob McClure is leaving the show. Obviously, I'm sure he's doing um, another gig or whatever it may be. But Hopefully, I get to go see Rob McClure in the show because I'm dying to see his Seymour. I think he's a perfect Seymour. So you have till November 13th to do so. And if you want to see Matt Doyle in the show, go November 15th to go see Little Shop of Horrors. Some more news when it comes to, uh, you know, performers coming into a show. Uh, Danae Benton will be returning to Into the Woods on November 21st, which is very exciting. Danae actually played the role, for those of you who don't know, over at City Center, um, the production that it did before it came to Broadway. And uh, this is the first time that she will be joining the cast on the Broadway production. So very exciting stuff. She is actually going to be leaving a little bit early than when Into the Woods closed. So for the last two weeks, we probably probably will have a new um, Cinderella, but it has not been announced yet, so I will keep you all posted on when that comes out. But very exciting to see that Danae Benton will be returning to the show, something you just love to see. And now, speaking of Into the Woods, despite my um, speculation, I guess, on the show extending beyond uh, January 8th, it's been confirmed that it can no longer extend past January 8th because it was announced that Candor and Ebb's New York, New York will be opening in the St. James Theater in March. And that production is going to be directed by Susan Stroman. And additional lyrics and songs were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So this is going to be really, really cool. Um, very, very excited for the show. Unfortunately, that means Into the Woods will be closing on January 8th. So go see it before it closes because this production is incredible and so worth seeing. So go check it out. So that's it for this week's news on Broadway. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Rachel Bay Jones, who was just recently on the podcast, which I'm so excited for her. It was announced that she will be on the newest season of Young Sheldon, which I'm so excited for, playing opposite Emily Osment, actually, and very exciting stuff there. And it's a reunion with Annie Potts and Rachel Bay Jones, which is something I certainly needed. And it's something I, I usually say it's something I don't know that I needed, but it's something I knew that I needed. And we talked about Annie Potts when we had her on the show. She's just an incredible human being, an incredible actor and performer. So very, very special. And I cannot wait to see Rachel Bay Jones on Young Sheldon. We've had Ian Armitage who plays Young Sheldon on the show. So we have a we have a lovely connection to the Young Sheldon family. And I love that it has has so many Broadway kind of ties to the show. So very exciting stuff. Congratulations, Rachel Bay Jones. Just wanted to shout her out and uh, congratulate her on her next journey. So that's it. And now I've talked way too much, but there's just been so much to get through and so many people to acknowledge and congratulate. So with that being said, it is time to turn it over to someone else who I am deeply appreciative of and uh, deeply grateful for. And that is none other than Patrick Goodwin. So Patrick Goodwin, curtain up. 
All right, y'all. This week's guest does it all. He's a professor at Pace University. He's a casting director, and in his free time, he appears on Wheel of Fortune randomly. Um, <laughs> he has casted a ton of shows that I don't know if you've heard of them, but he's casted The Greatest Showman, Cinderella, Annie Live, The Wiz Live, Better Nate Than Never, worked on your favorite Broadway shows such as Waitress, Tina, The Share Show. I can't even breathe. There's just so many. I mean, come on, this is incredible. So my personal favorite, actually, on his list happens to be Finding Neverland for some reason. And uh, you've ended up casting me in Finding Neverland and another one of my favorite projects, The Greatest Showman Readings. So it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to Take a Bow, Patrick Goodwin. Hi, Pat. Hi. I am not worthy of that introduction, but you're- Oh my God. (laughs) There's way too much to go through. That's not even half of it. It's unbelievable. You're killing it. I love it. I'm so happy that you were able to come on here today. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Oh my God, of course. So the way I usually like to start these uh, fun little episodes uh, is uh, by asking you how you got involved in theater in the first place, not even just casting directing, but like what caught your eye in the world of theater? Because I know you kind of started as a performer first. Yeah, yeah. I was very lucky to come from a family that preached, do a little bit of everything and follow what you love the most at the end of the day. And so I remember my parents at an early age putting me into just as many arts related things as they did sports. You know, I was doing baseball and soccer as a kid and track and field and cross country throughout high school, but I was always doing plays. I was always doing all sorts of choruses and stuff like that. My mom put me into private voice lessons when I was 10 years old, not really knowing what was going to come out of it, but I ended up falling in love with it. And that's what led me to really focus on taking theater seriously in high school. Mm-hmm. Not that in the high school productions that my school did, but there were also regional things and, and around Cape Cod where I grew up that allowed me to just be who I was as a musician and as an actor. And I love that I came from a family that really supported that. It's something that I'm constantly aware of and I understand as a privilege. Uh, and that sort of transferred into college in, a, in an unconventional way because by the end of high school, <clears throat> I had auditioned for a bunch of BFA programs. And I didn't know if I wanted to dive into it as a career as quickly as some other people did. So I approached the college process as I want to go somewhere where I can double major in theater and political science, because the other part of me really wanted to be a lawyer. Oh, wow. Uh, From a very young age, I'm very Very good at similar things there, you know, (laughs) every day people all the time. If I ended up with a law degree, I would still be using the same skills to do it. Yeah, there you go. Um, I ended up at Drew University. It was a tiny little liberal arts school in New Jersey that I knew of because a friend of mine who had graduated a couple years previous to me in high school went and she loved it. And she said, look, if you're really considering finding that perfect school that'll let you double major, you should look at Drew because Hmm. they have a really great theater program. They had this beautiful theater complex that had just been built. It was called the Dorothy Young Center for the Arts. And I got to meet a couple of the uh, pre-law and poli-sci professors and I loved it. So I didn't even visit Drew before I went to go. I just went. Oh my God. Same That's crazy. Fact, I was like, if I ever have kids, I'm never letting them do that. Um, <laughs> but I was there. I loved every second of being able to balance the two. And that, But the problem was by my senior year, I still loved those two things just as much. Mm. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received was when my college professor my senior year said, you shouldn't go to law school. You shouldn't go to grad school. You should take a year off and go 
be Pat Goodwin in New York City and see what that means for you. And I remember being so offended oh, by that because I was like, I just took the LSATs and the GREs and did yeah. all of to do the auditions for these oh, MFA And it really was the best advice because if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have ended up in New York City interning for Bernie Telsey uh, while I was bartending at night making oh, money. And it turned out to be sort of the perfect thing to do as I was auditioning and, and making money on the side, doing odd jobs and stuff like that. I, uh, I interned for about three months and then became Bernie's assistant because his old assistant was taking a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. That turned into a permanent thing. And before I knew it, I had completely fallen in love with being on the other side of the table. And wow. I, I realized that you can be an artist as a casting director. There's more than one way to be a, an artist. Oh, yeah. And I really appreciated the stability of it. You know, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to work for somebody like Bernie or a casting director that has a lot of clients that keep coming back to them because they do a great job, I knew that was something that was going to be a lot more important to me than gig work at the end of the day. And so 17 years later, here I am. So let me ask you this. When, when you became an intern over with Telsey and company, <laughs> did you even know what casting directing was? That's a great question. I did not. I, yeah. We all think we know what a casting director is until you're really doing it. I think now there's so much more of a understanding that it is a career and a profession and an art. Back then, we only went by what we thought from watching TV and film and seeing credits or hearing stories about how old Hollywood casting work and all of that's such BS. But like, I didn't really know until day one. And I was like, oh, this is such a cool, unique combination of left brain and right brain in terms of being artistic, being business-minded, taking care of clients, wow. having an organizational aspect to who you are to, to help keep things in order. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I am so, I think I'm sort of the last generation of people who really didn't know what it is at all until sure. they got their it. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know because I feel like nowadays people still don't really understand what goes behind a casting director and what it actually is that they do. Because as I mentioned, you teach at Pace University and I was able to take your class last semester. And I mean, the stuff that I, like I've auditioned for you a million times, but had no idea the immense amount of work that you do outside of just being in the audition room. So, so talk to me like with all this experience and now really, I mean, you really know what it is now. Talk to me about really what it is that a casting director does so that we can all kind of understand that a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think th- at the very basic, what I think people should know that they might not know or that they might assume otherwise is that we are not the people that are making final decisions as to who gets a job in a production. We're there to serve that director and creator's vision, whatever the creative team is for that project. So if it's a producer, director, music director in the room, we don't have an agenda other than getting the best people for that job in front of them so that they can see that artistic vision of theirs come to life. Um, And I, you know, that was sort of the biggest aha moment for me when I first started in casting, because I always thought, oh, the casting director is the person that picks, and then everybody else just deals with it when they get to set or get to production. Obviously, now we know that that's not not the case. Um, But in doing that, in, you know, in coming up with all the skills and tools you need to be a good casting director and to make sure that team gets what they need and what they want, it requires 
a lot of memorization skills of, of seeing people and remembering names and faces and good list keeping and having great people relationships with agents and managers who you can trust that'll give you quick information about people or that will pitch other ideas of folks you're not even thinking of in that moment, you know? So there's all sorts of aspects of just um, professionalism that fall into it in a, in a whole separate way. But I think for the most part, what people should know is it's us serving that team's vision. That is our job at the end of the day. That's why we're hired. That's why we have an opinion in the process, all of that. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, and so as a casting director now, I mean, with finding the right talent to come in and audition with you, you obviously Mm -hmm. have to do the research through watching media and the entertainment whether it's going to shows and and watching things on tv like on top of your job like you're you're working at all hours of the day basically when you think about it how do you find that balance and how do you like when you go to a show is it like oh my god i have this project coming up i can see that person in that role so let's call them in is it that sort of thing it's it's depends on the project that you're working on, and it also depends on the medium. I think theater is a very different beast from TV and film, and requires right. a different skill set a lot of times in terms of you know what that team needs. For the most part, um, I find when I'm at a theater, I'm glued to that playbill before the show, during yeah. intermission, after the show, and reading it on the <laughs> way home, and getting to know every person, <laughs> saving every playbill so I can remember where I yep. can put names, faces, and all of that. Um, and I think with TV and film. You know, it's especially during the pandemic, this has been amplified. It's so different. Mm. It's really just keeping that mental Rolodex of everyone you're seeing and thinking what they could be right for if they're, you know, New York based or could tape or anything like that. I think, you know, everyone's going to have their different version of sort of logging mentally or, or physically who they're seeing and what they're liking for things. For me, anytime I see an actor in a you know, for example, in a supporting part in a TV show on a streaming platform that I didn't know before, I find myself looking them up on IMDb or Breakdown very quickly to see what their track record is and um, if they have resume credits where I might have missed them elsewhere and all of that. And that just helps me visually have that part of my brain that goes, I'm going to remember that face. I'm going to remember that name for the next thing. And I, one of my favorite things in the whole world, you know, in discovering new talent is when you find somebody like that that you've just watched in a TV show or was in the ensemble of a Broadway yes. show. And then suddenly you're like, well, what about that person for this? And they get the job. That to me is, you know, so much of the joy that I find in casting is that you get to make those connections if they didn't already exist for that person otherwise. Hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned that there's like a difference between 
how you search out talent for Broadway and TV and film and everything. There's a whole nother process too for the audition itself that I learned from your class. Obviously, I've talked about here like from an actor's perspective with other actors and performers of like how the audition differs for a performer. And you can touch on that as well if you'd like. But I'm curious to know what the difference is between a theater casting call and a film casting call and bringing those people in and preparing for that. And if like going even further with the Broadway and movies, what is the process of like a movie musical? Um, is that in its own category? Is it a combination of the two? Talk to me about it. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. To it's unpack. a loaded question. I know. I'm so sorry. We can break oh, it down. I love that you're you're hitting me I'm, all of it at once. It's great. Um, oh yeah. I think at the end of the day, it depends on a lot of different things. It depends on your team for the project and and what their specific wants and needs are to get those roles populated. It depends on. Um, your producer, whether that is, you know, an independent commercial producer on Broadway or a, a established theater company mm. that is sort of heading up the production or whether it's a studio or a network or an independent film, you know, th- all of those different things have different op- ways of operating to find who they want for a process. Um, in general, for example, like one of the things I remember we talked about when I had you in class was in the theater world, if you're working on an equity production, there's going to be required calls by the union EPAs and ECCs where people, if they have an equity card, can be seen, can self-tape now in this day and age and all of that. That doesn't exist in SAG after contracts. Mm. No open call for actors for any role in a TV shoot right, or, a, right, TV right. or a, uh, a film. Um, and that's not to say that they're doing something wrong. It's just not how that medium operates and not how the and that union's never operated like that. Um, I think, obviously, if you're looking at a, a musical you're taking in so many more elements than just a play. There's a music element, a dance element. There might be a very different take on design elements because of the music and dance. There might be special skills that are needed that aren't necessarily included in a play. Right. Um, and with film, it really is about what is the final product you're seeing from those actors on the camera, whether they're in the room auditioning for you or sending in a self tape, is the director able to get the shot and the, and the acting that they need out of that person and the, and the choices that they need out of that person. Um, and I think when, you, you know, I, when you say music, <laughs> movie musical, it's like now combine all of those things in one under right. a contract and you're doing all of it. Right. Wow. Um, the associate on the greatest showman, Bernie and Tiffany were the casting directors, Bernie Telsey and Tiffany little Canfield who are such wonderful people to learn from in that respect. And one of the things that I, w- I was just so fascinated by was their ability to multitask every element of a giant stage uh. music, giant big budget film, the players at the studio, the director, the line producer, all of these things just had to be done on the timeline that we were given. And it was really hard, right. but there's no better way to learn than being thrown into it like that with a support system. And on that show, I'm not going to lie. That was a hard, hard thing to cast from the get go. Yeah. And Bernie and Tiffany watching how they handled everything with such grace and with, with patience and being able to be frustrated in our own moments when we were like, what are we going to do? This doesn't seem right. All that. Um, it was really the greatest learning experience for me in terms of diving into a big budget movie like that and, and knowing how to do it. And I've, um, the other thing that I think is really fascinating is what you think is going to be the final product on 
a final version of a film is never what you think it's going to be in the room or in a callback or in an audition. It's always so cool to see what that final picture is that that director and that director of photography put together. Oh yeah. It's, I love the process. I am fascinated by the process, just being in your class. And then like me, like lately I I've just been so interested in like producing and all of that's the, the whole side of that. I'm falling in love with the behind the scenes at similar to the age that you fell in love with it. So it's cool. It's a cool, like little, um, path here. So yeah, I know. Right. Um, but yeah, no, the way that the Grey Showman kind of like just happened and was put onto screen, it was just brilliant. So I applaud you guys for everything that you do with that show in particular. I mean, there's a lot of shows you, you could even say like the Wiz Live and, and, and all of these wonderful other projects that you've casted with those big names, such as like a Zendaya, Zac Efron, Hugh Jackman. Is the audition process a little bit different? Not to like take away from anything, but like, is it different as far as like someone who's a little less known or, or I guess famous in the, that term? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in, to use your example for somebody like Zac Efron or Hugh Jackman or even Zendaya, this was before she had done Euphoria and, you know, was winning right. Emmys and that. <laughs> they were all attached to the film or offered the role outright, you know, before oh, wow. really involved in that process. We might have helped facilitate with making sure their availability was clear before getting into details of going to them with an offer and stuff like that. But more often than not with those situations of A-list celebrities and people who are higher level, those are going to be done in-house at the, at the um, business affairs level with that, you know, studio and network taking care of all the nuts and bolts and getting them in place. There's certainly situations where, you know, there's a, really cool roll up for grabs in a film and a director has some high level people come in and read for it. If those actors are willing and able to come in and read for it or self tape for it. Great. That's not always the case. A lot of people are offer only. A lot of people um, uh, will take a meeting, but won't read. will agree to have a zoom conversation, you know, theoretically about what the piece could be if they wanted to go to them. There's a lot of sort of wooing people to do the role in that sense, if it gets to the point where a director is actually able to be in a room with them and talk to them about the project without an offer on the table or with an offer on the table. It's a very different world from, you know, the new actor at 22 years old that just graduated from a great performing arts school going in and self-taping or auditioning for something. That's, that's a very different process. Oh my God. That's crazy. <laughs> Offer only. Oh my God. I can't imagine. Um, anyways, <laughs> moving forward. That's so cool though. I just, yeah, no, send me an offer. Great. Oh my God. <laughs> Must be nice okay. level where I can just, you know, pick and choose whatever comes my way. Yeah, like go off, I guess, you know, like congratulations. You've done what it took to get to that level. You've put in the work, you know, I, I, I mean, it's just like, fascinating to think about um anyways i'm going to ask you like you know we talk about like being in a room and everything like that and and what it's like to be a casting director and stuff like that but i'm curious to know if your background in performing and love of performing itself kind of changes your perspective of being a casting director and and when people come in and perform for you do you think about like oh this is what they're thinking about because when I performed this is maybe what I was thinking about like I don't know does that have an influence I guess on you watching an audition? I definitely think having an any sort of background or any experience in the performing arts helps because you understand uh, whether it's a performer, a director, whatever. I think you understand context of of scene work and music and dance so much more than you would if you didn't have any 
opportunity to develop a taste for those things. This is such a taste business. Everything is subjective. What you might think of an actor, I might think very differently. And that's one of the reasons why I always say one of the things I've come to love as a casting director is being proven wrong. If I have a preconceived notion about somebody, or if I think I've seen everything that they can do in their entire bag of tricks as a performer, I love being proven wrong because Uh that only can help them get the job and it can only help that team see a different side of them where even if they don't book that job, maybe they're right for something else that that team is working on. But I think, yes, having an experience growing up in the arts and, and being an actor and understanding what it means to do what they're doing in the room, which takes a lot of time and effort and sacrifice, I think it builds an empathy in that situation where the casting director is always rooting for you. We have no reason to want anything other than every single person who's taping or walking in the door to do their best work, period. It doesn't do us any good if any one person out of 50 people that are auditioning in a certain day doesn't do their best work. You know, we really are rooting for everybody in that respect. Yeah. And and I mean, I guess that's why you call so many people in, you know, like, it's not like you're dead set on a specific talent or anything like that. You know, you're calling in all these people to come in and give their best work to see who kind of fits where. Right, exactly. And obviously, that's going to be within the scope of what your director gives you. If your director is, this is really specific, only show me the people that meet this, 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 and this, and check all of these boxes, then you might only have five people instead of 50. Still okay, because as long as you're finding the right five people, then you're doing your job. Right. Fascinating. So when you talk about like coming in for an audition and self-taping, there are some unwritten rules that I feel that happen in auditions just because like we're all still like figuring it out, especially with the self-tape with this new post-pandemic life, you know, self-tapes are so relevant and so common. So when it, when it comes to like unwritten rules, such as like clothing and like how to film and like what songs to bring in, what are your like favorite unwritten rules that people may not know about that you could share with us? I don't know if they're favorite things, but I think there's so much you can do to help yourself at a very basic level when you're self-taping, you know, have a solid background, wear something that's contrasting to both the background and your skin tone so that you pop, you know, you want to be the star of that thing. Test your lighting and your sound before you start. Make sure the shadows aren't all over the place. Make sure the sound isn't garbled. Um, Make sure you're in a location, if you can, where the background noise is as minimal as it can be. Um, Obviously, if you're in New York City, you can't help if a fire truck goes by yeah taping you can do as many takes of that thing to get it as right as you think you can make it to be sent in Mm. um that's the for me so much of the difference of the on camera or the self-taping versus the in-person world is if we don't see you coming in on the fly and doing it that's okay but we know you probably had a lot more time to get the take right than you wanted at home if you had seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 takes to do it right. Right. Um, that being said, I don't hold any of that against an actor because this is the world that we have been forced to live in with our post-pandemic safety. But I think in terms of the tapes, there's, there's those things. There's the tech elements of just making sure that if you're looking at it from an objective point of view, you would be interested in that person for the job. And I will say from the from so many self-tapes that I've watched, you'd be so surprised how many people don't watch back their work and just send in what they think is their best take. And then you're like, you didn't, you couldn't tell that the sound was garbled for the last 20 seconds or you right. couldn't, I think you didn't realize that we saw you walking out of frame and saying, damn it, while you were shutting off the camera. Right. Sorry. Um, 
there's a lot of that that happens too. So be a perfectionist. I guess that's the bottom line of what I'm saying is be a perfectionist in the sense of treating that self-tape with as much professionalism and enthusiasm as you would if we were able to see you live in a room. Absolutely. And Pat, I have to be completely transparent with you. I was one of those people that did not watch my tapes until I had class with you. I'm not proud of it, but I, but I don't know. know. Like Now you know. <laughs> I know. Now I know. And and there have been times where I've been like, oh my God, like I totally need to like cut that out or do this or like, you know, like there's been times where I've had to like retake. So like, I'm like, I don't even know what I've sent in that like, I don't even want to think about it. And it gives me anxiety thinking about it, but it's okay. But I just, I don't know. I like, I'm someone who does not like to like watch myself, you know, at all. Like, even if I'm on like a TV show, like I'm not going to watch myself. My parents can watch myself, but I'll be in my bedroom or whatever. Like what, you know, like do without me. So if you are one of those people as an actor, you know, it's something that you kind of just have to work through and, and get through. And honestly, it's just about skimming through even if you have to like I, I think if you even turn the video off if you can just hear the sound or just see the video for a few minutes to make sure that it's clear all the way through you know you can skim through that on the iphone there's just things that you can do around it where it's just so important to make that extra it's like when you take a test it's like making sure that you answered all the questions type thing yeah. um, and, I, and i think that's like I, sorry that's such a like college high schooler kind of thing but that's real you know so i highly recommend doing that it it saves my butt a few times so and uh, i will say you bring up a very good point which is i think naturally in the habitat that you operate as an actor of course you're going to be your own worst and best critic whatever content you're creating in the moment for a professional gig right have that support system of those one or two people that understand the industry that are doing the same thing you're doing to who you trust to objectively watch it and not be afraid to say, I think you want to retake it because of this moment, or I think this was a really, really solid thing you need to keep in mind if you're going to retape, because I don't want you to lose that thing. And, and that's where you have to really just trust people based on the performances that you see them giving or the, or the work you see them booking. I love when I hear actors going to each other for sort of communal feedback on their mm-hmm. own work or sending it to us because how that that couldn't hurt at the end of the day as long as you know those people get it and are trustworthy in terms of what their um what their own work is right and that's so real and and even if that's just your reader um you know you're already in the same room or you're um facetiming them or whatever it may be to do the audition already just hey send it over really quick just two more minutes of your time if you have it like can you skim through this you know it, there's yeah. ways uh, to do it i guess and to collaborate because that's all this is this that's all this business is really is just collaborating with others and artistic sure. people it's cool um yeah so when when you're assigned in, in a project right like how does that work you know is it you who's kind of you know pitching for your company to be like oh i'll be the lead on this like is it you're just assigned like how does that whole thing work uh, that's a great question. It it really depends on a couple different factors. It's availability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, having a previous relationship with the director that sometimes comes back to us and says, we we loved working with you on this. We want to work with you on this. Ah. Next. Um, and then there's those rare occasions where um, a job will be offered to us or to Bernie. And we all talk about who we think is the best fit and who has the most interest in doing it. And 
who maybe uh, would benefit professionally the most. You know, I haven't done this kind of dance musical before. It would be great to dive in and learn that pool of actors that I might not know from a point ballet show or something like right. that. Um, I really love, I've been doing this, I think, long enough now that there's so many people I love working with that I will make it happen if they come back to us and say, we have this project, even if I know that like it's going to require some schedule shifting and stuff like that. We, we people, you know, it's a people business where if, if you're not enjoying doing it, then sometimes it's not worth doing. Um, right. A good friend of mine once said, and I think this is so true, you have to have two of the three P's in order to do, in order to be happy doing a project, the people, the pay and the project itself. Oh yeah. Of two of those three, it's worth doing. And I personally <laughs> think first and foremost, if you know it's people that you love, like I will say, Tina Landau, I will drop anything oh. for it, anything asked, because I think she is such a lover of actors and so collaborative and so kind and giving in a room that that's the kind of person that I want to be associated with and that I want to work for. Yeah. Um, and I think that really makes it exciting when you, when you have that existing relationship. But at the same time, of course, I'm also going to be excited about a really cool project where I don't know the team at all. Mm. And I'm just so excited to see what their vision is for it, that I'm going to throw myself into it and figure it out and, and hopefully make them really happy with things they might not have been thinking about that I can bring to the table. If it's not something that was already at the forefront of their mind for what that artistic vision of the production was. Mm. Interesting. That's so, that's so cool. The way that you just think about it, like it's not, cause I don't know, for some reason I was like, oh, do casting directors kind of have to audition? Like, is that a thing? But like, no, like, oh, sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Every once in a while, it's like, hey, if it's somebody that has never worked with us before and is coming over from London to do something. Wow. Absolutely. That's, that's, um, obviously if, if it's a job we're available for and interested in, well, of course we'll do that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they, there's so many ways then, I guess, that you could kind of get involved in a project. That's so cool. It's like a, it's a real job, guys. It's a real thing. We need I to like, treat it as it. Yes. <laughs> and we talk about everything that you do for just a simple, like one production, and you're constantly working on multiple, yet casting directors simply just don't get the recognition. I mean, there's still no awards. I'm, I'm doing this to kind of raise awareness of what casting directors do. And, you know, they're just people, y'all. It, they're not, they are intimidating, but they're not, you know, like they, they're here to help us. So like, and, and like I said, you know, they don't get the recognition they need. And I know that you're a big activist, I guess, about, you know, getting an award or like a Tony Award or some sort of recognition in that way. So like, what do you think it has to take for this industry as a whole to really appreciate casting directors the way that they're supposed to be treated? Yeah, it's it's such a great question. Um, I have to start by saying Bernie Telsey, I think for the community has done so much to lead the way and not, it's not about getting awards for us individually. It's about making mm-hmm. people understand that our profession matters and that you can't make theater without us. You can't make film without us. You can't make TV without us 99.999% of the time. So, you know, we get Emmy awards. There's Emmy categories for Mm -hmm. casting directors for a a multitude of things from, from reality casting all the way to, you know, television shorts and things like that. You know, there's, you can look up the casting categories for Emmys. It's crazy to me that there is still not a Tony or an Oscar for casting. We're 
I think now the only main title build designer artist on the credits of a film or TV that we just were the only ones that don't have that kind of recognition um, in film to particularly. And then when I think about it in theater, you know, we have made lots of attempts through CSA casting society of America and through our own conversations with people to try to get people in the theater community to understand how important what we do is and that, these actors don't just magically show up on stage themselves. It's part of an art process of right. us, that team helping create it. And I hear a lot, the counter argument is sometimes, well, nobody can measure what you do. Nobody can tell what you do. How do we know that they didn't come attached and they weren't audition? like all of those things. And I have counter arguments to every one of those little things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what I would like to see in the next five years is an actual seriously taken petition by the Broadway league and by the American theater wing to say, you matter. We understand what you do and we are going to try to work to make this happen because, you know, again, it's not about being selfish and saying, I pack Goodwin want a Tony or I want Bernie Telsey have Tony. You know, that's not what it is. What good am I doing for the next generation of casting professionals? If we're not trying to get them recognized in that way. And I have learned that again, all of that goes to Bernie being a great teacher and making us understand that this profession is something that people should want to recognize and should understand what we do. Um, But I'm really hopeful that it's going to happen. I think it's a matter of time before the Oscar happens, but the Tony I think is going to be a bigger challenge just because weirdly enough, it seems to be the most kind of insulated bubble in terms of who thinks we should have it and who thinks we shouldn't, but I'm going to keep fighting. (laughs) Don't get me started on the amount of categories that should be in the Tony Awards that are just simply not. Um, A couple years ago when they removed sound designers, I was like, what is happening? Who do you think? Right. Creating every audio thing that happens during a show in tandem it's with that the most important thing like if you go to the theater and you can't hear what's happening you don't enjoy this show come on i don't know it's it's mind-boggling and the swings category there should be a swings category there should be an ensemble category i mean there's just they just need to be recognized properly i mean that's that's it like and it drives me nuts that like you know Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Some of these categories aren't even nationally televised. It's like the the big... Yeah ones that are and so people if unless you really pay close attention aren't aren't even looking at that like they don't even realize that it exists and that's why i say kind of like the emmys is the same way it's like i've never seen an emmy awards show that i've seen a casting director win an emmy on the stage like i've had to read about it afterwards you know type thing um so it's just like it's just simple like recognition is all i'm kind of alluding to um but yeah it's so important Anyway, it is. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> we talk about the future and like the next five years of like casting directors and stuff like that in the last kind of answer. And that sparked another question for me, I guess. Where do you see like auditions coming in the next five years? Are we going to live in this self tape space in the future? I wish we had a crystal ball to be able to, to lay right. out the time. <laughs> when we, you know, we'll, we'll be able to be in a room as easily and as comfortably and safely as we were before the pandemic, we're going to get there. But here's what I would like to happen and what I think is probably going to happen. I think a hybrid world of self-tape if you're not in town, but ideally please come in and audition if you can so we can work with you and or so yeah. that the team can hear you live in a room. That to me is the perfect balance of it because what we have gained from the self-taping is people who didn't have access before because they weren't in New York City, couldn't afford to fly to New York City, didn't even know that a a live audition was happening, you know, especially in open call scenarios for film and TV stuff. Anybody can tape if they have a camera or an iPhone or a laptop, right? Like I love that so many submissions um, for open calls and EPAs and ECCs are from people who are based outside of New York. And I think that pipeline of access can't be lost because it has provided so much opportunity to people who didn't have it before, especially communities of color and uh, communities of people who, for one reason or another, didn't feel like they belonged in New York City. Um, yeah. And so th- I'm hoping we don't lose that. And I, and I think people are going to be much more amenable to saying, totally cool, put it on tape if you can't get here for the first round. And if you yeah. get a call back, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And maybe we can even Zoom that. Um, so that is my hope. Uh, I. I don't want to lose the 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 access part from what we have gained during the pandemic, as painful as it was for actors to be trapped in their apartments doing self-tape after self-tape. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree 100%. And especially like with the whole m- movies and film, I, correct me, like you can chime in if you disagree, but I just feel like in a way that that's kind of beneficial because you that's how people are going to be watching them. I mean, so many people nowadays just stream it on their phones or computers or whatever it may be. And how you guys watch these tapes is like, that's how they're going to be seen almost. But I feel like theater is just such a different beast because, you know, oh. you're you're in person and you're going to go see that live and you have to see like their full body and what, yeah, I don't know. Just the, I guess, mannerisms that they have and understand exactly that. Exactly that. And, and think about it in this way for the actor's benefit. If you need a moment with the pianist to get it right so that they can help you out, or if you need a moment with that reader to say, hey, I'm going to take a beat at this line and just give me a set, like, that is so much easier when you're in person. And the benefit on top of it all of having a director being able to give you notes or adjustments, that's what makes you a better performer. 
You know, having the live experience with those people in the room, I think, of course, is going to be more beneficial for the performer nine times out of 10 than just doing every process of it over self-tape. Can we cast a full movie or TV show just doing tapes? Absolutely. That is happening still left and right because there's an ease to it. There's an accessibility to it. All of that. But I think as we're starting to think more and more about theater than TV and film, I would love to be back in a room with as many people as possible to help them if they want to come in. And if they don't, of course, we will make time to watch their tapes and make sure the teams are taking them seriously. Right, right, right. Oh my God, so cool. It's interesting when you say that, just like to think about the future because like what the pandemic did and just like isolating ourselves, like, I don't know, like it's taken some time to get back out there and like put yourself back out there. Cause I'll never forget like my first in-person audition back from the pandemic. And it was just a couple weeks ago, to be honest. And it was for like a callback for a play. And Pat, I, I'd never been so nervous in my life. Like literally, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I was having all, I was like, I didn't know what was happening. Like literally I was having an out of body experience, just like getting back in a room. And I'm just like, if I can get back into the groove of just being live and in person again, I know I'm just going to be so much happier because this whole, like, I don't know. It was just, it was unlike anything I experienced. And it was just a, it was a crazy experience, but hopefully we can get back into the groove of live auditions. Cause I love them. I don't know what was happening though. in the last one. <laughs> Honestly, what you just said is is happening now, I think, more than over the past few months. I'm hearing everybody come in saying, this is my first audition in two and a half years. I was just in Los Angeles last week doing some live callbacks for a theater project, which was awesome. I was like, oh my God, uh-huh. when was the last time I got to go to LA and see LA folks live in person for this? And every right. single person walked in the room said the same thing. They're like, this just doesn't happen in LA. So it's a gift yeah. to, you to walk in a room for any project, theater or TV and film. And it was such a blast just to it gave you that little glimmer of hope that we're heading back towards giving actors that sense of comfort. If it's the kind of setting that's going to get them the better performance and make them more comfortable. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I, I just can't wait for that time to, to, to be able to get back into that, into that groove. But I know slowly, but surely, I mean, there's now the flu's going around and everything. I don't know. There's a million things happening and it's crazy to think that like, we just acted like it was no big deal before the pandemic. And now it's just like, oh my God, we have to be so careful. What? Um, anyways, let me ask you this. For people who are interested in, in auditioning and stuff like that, and they don't have a manager, an agent, or anything like that, you know, Telsey is so brilliant in, in how they kind of um, advertise that. They can follow them on social media and they post the open calls and all these resources. So can you share some of your favorite resources for those who don't have an agent or manager that are wanting to be in this business and are trying to find these auditions in an accessible way? Yeah, I, I think become a internet sleuth in terms of really staying on the pulse of every social media account that offers um, open call notices, that offers information about other people doing projects. You know, I see hashtags being led uh, one person to another, to another, to another, and that's finally how information gets to somebody. Um, So become an internet sleuth. I I think because everything is so digital now, both on social media and through backstage and Playbill, um, there's so much that is out there that you should consider. The other thing I want to say is, Remember, you're not going to be right for everything. And that's okay. And remember, you're not going to want to do some projects. And that's also okay. I think for so long in our industry, we've been taught, especially at the collegiate level, to just be a yes person. Yep. And yes yeah. to everything. 
thing that comes your way. And I don't subscribe to that. I, I think you have to know yourself really early on to say, I know I'm either not comfortable or not right for that. And I'm not going to put myself into contention for it. Like, I love when young actors know that and can voice it in a way that really makes sense and supports who they are as a performer and as a human. Um, so in a, as people are looking at these open call notices, at these self-tape things, I just saw something go out today on the uh, Pace listserv of an open call notice for an independent film that's being done. And it's just for me reading the description, I thought of like three Pace students who might be right for it. And I was Aww. like, I I really, because they're getting those emails, I hope they submit for it because why would you not? Right. Unless you unless you have a really compelling reason as to why you're not comfortable or right for that project, go for it if you're on the fence. Like that's the other thing. Being 50-50 about something, I always think means you should go for it. Yes. If you are really on the fence about something, what's the worst that could happen if you submit, if you know that you could be right for it? Or if you're 50% sure that you could be right for it? I think there's a lot of times where people probably do themselves a disservice by assuming that they know more than we know about the project and take it at face value for what's listed in the character descriptions and on the breakdowns. If you're available and if you think you can do it, go for it. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to not do that. It's it's access where access is. And I don't think, um, you know, being super specific too early on in your career is going to do you any good. And I, and I think taking that a step forward here is like, you know, when you are 50-50, go for it. And then down the line, if you continue to find more things out about it and you're really exploring the space and exploring the work, then you can really have a better understanding of where you lie. And if it is in the end a no, well, then take yourself out of it. Like, don't accept the role. You know, you, you can go through the process and you can put yourself out there for it, but it's not something that it's just like, this is what I need to do. Like, once you're in, you're in. And it's like, it, to a, in, in a certain time there is like a when you're in you're in but like there is time to be like oh let me just go for it and then I, i'm not completely sold on it so the more that you do the more research the more time because some of these auditions are like next day and you can't really explore it um but like when you when you do have the time to to really um understand the work and understand the project and what your role is and what it stands for and all that well then then you can make that decision so i think yep. that that's so so important and uh so so true so thank you for bringing that up one last question for you and then i'll let you go um <laughs> if that's cool with you loaded question here so <laughs> What happened the day that little 12-year-old Eli came in and auditioned for a little show called Finding Neverland for you? <laughs> and you just decided, like, hey, we're going to, like, have him back and maybe have him in the show. Like, what was going through your mind there? Let me – I, I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, I very vividly remember your audition process for the show. Actually? I, yeah. No, there's – there's. it's weird. I, I Look, I'll be the first to say, like, I don't have the greatest memory in the world, but uh -huh. specific auditions always stick out if it's somebody that you – know down the line, like now I know you 10 years later, or if it's somebody that just really does such a fascinatingly amazing job that they stick in your brain forever. I have a ton of people like that who didn't book the job at the end of the day, but I'm always mm -hmm. thinking of them because of how well they did. I remember you being so unbelievably well-prepared. You knew <laughs> stuff. You had. It wasn't just about memorizing lines. You were taking your time. You, you had certain acting beats that you wanted to make sure were very clear you knew your music. I think vocally, I think you were nervous, but I think you did such a better job with it than you probably remember doing. Oh my God. Um, 
And honestly, like I gotta say, for for those kids in Finding Neverland, those were hard roles. Yeah. Uh, for so many reasons, you had the voice range and changing voices, and you had a British accent on top of it, and you had to be able to fit as a unit into this show with the other brothers and all of those things. Um, and you were, or I think Diane Paulus would agree with me. You were a very easy hire. It was very. Um, it was very clear that you had the skill set and the professionalism at that young age to know how to do what that role would have re- did require. Um, and not a lot of kids have that just because they don't have the exposure to the audition process, which is a, you know, a, a skill and an art in itself right. um, or don't have the range for the music or, or any of these things. But I remember you being, you were, you're going to probably say that this wasn't the case. You were really a plus student. You came in prepared, <laughs> you did your stuff. I could tell you probably coached with somebody on it a lot and that, that person probably knew what they were doing. Um, Never yeah. in my life. Never in my life have I, I still to the I've literally done Josh Lehman has been, coached me on like three auditions and that's about it. But that was after Neverland because I met him there. Um but no, it's so funny that you say that because Funny Neverland is an audition that I will never forget, even if I wouldn't have gotten it, because I don't know if you know this story, but uh it's very unfortunate that I did not live in New York at the time of auditioning for it. I had done Pippin, so I knew Diane, and I I loved going in for you. I was always comfortable around you. There's very few casting directors that I really feel comfortable with, and I always feel like that like makes me a better performer when I'm like comfortable in a room. That's a whole other conversation. But um, <laughs> no, but I will never forget it because I was so excited for it. And I was so excited, and I wanted to work for Diane again, and blah blah blah. And so I was super prepared um, for sure. And on my drive up to New York, I, my dad and I drove the day of the audition, and I was throwing up the whole way up. Um, I don't. Oh, know. I don't remember this. <laughs> we have no idea what happened. We don't know if it was like food poisoning from the day before. I don't know if, in the end, maybe I was nervous and I was just throwing up because I was nervous. Like I don't know what it was. Maybe I was sick. We still don't know, but we stopped and I was like forcing popsicles down my throat and like sucking them, like all the things to like try to get myself. So, and, and when I auditioned for when I was that age, I mean, there was nothing that I was more confident in than my voice. So it's so interesting to hear you say that I was nervous for my voice because that may have been the only audition when I had a high voice that I was nervous for to sing because I knew the second I started singing, my whole body was hurting because it was sore from throwing up. Um, it, it's just absolutely insane. And then I was like, guys, I think it went well, but I'm never going to get it. Like it, it like hurt to be in that room and it was just not cute and whatever. So we went home and then sure enough, we got the call a couple of days later and uh, here we are. That's what you got to do. I no idea of that part of it. Oh and yeah. More power. This is a good story for everybody else to hear. Like, Always put your safety and your health first. If you don't feel physically like you can get through something in a room, don't do it. It is not worth putting yourself in danger. But clearly you felt like you were in a place where you could get through it. Um, I just wasn't going to miss it. You know, like I knew how badly, like it was, I don't remember wanting a role so badly. Like, and, and then in Finding Neverland, because I was up for the original Broadway cast for it because I'd worked with Diane and Pippin and it was just a quick turnaround and all the things. Yeah. And I didn't have like the real like audition process for it because Pippin was closing. So then I was able to see it. Um, I was able to see it in previews and I just like fell in love with the show and was like, I'm doing everything that I can to be in the show. And that happened and it was the day of and I was just like, I don't care. We're going. Let's drive. And my dad drove me up and uh, 
it happened and you know you you push through for the things you want i guess you know you get you get wow. it was all adrenaline it was like adrenaline took over and like when you want something you just go out there and get it and like sorry for all those post-pandemic people like nowadays looking back on that since the post-pandemic i'm like i should have never done it what if i got someone else in the audition room sick right. whatever yeah. like but like I, I, yeah, I don't remember wanting something so badly. And I, and I, I'm glad to hear that it may have well, grown that way. Maybe yeah, it that way. Or to you, because whatever you did in those moments before you walked in the room, you fooled the hell out of us that you were Oh sick. my God. <laughs> yeah. Sort of sense of that. <laughs> I, yeah, it was it was a time, but uh, yeah, I just had to talk to you about it because I was like, I don't know what was going through their mind. I don't even remember if like I was actually did a good job in the room because like I feel like when I was in the room, I just blacked out. So like it was it's interesting <laughs> to hear your perspective of what happened in the room because I just remember what happened before the audition. I feel um, like a lot of us have that experience though of like if you're in a situation where it's surreal or something else is going on, like. Sometimes, maybe this is the adrenaline thing that you were just talking about. Sometimes our adrenaline just like blocks out everything else to the point of like, okay, we got to get through this. And then once I walk out that door, I'm totally fine again. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, literally. That's that's exactly what it was. So um, crazy to hear that. But uh, thank you for sharing that with me. And thank you for coming on here today. I know I took up so much of your time and I really appreciate you giving me your time no, Always. seriously. I'm honored that you had me on here. Really, it's it's a pleasure to do this. Pat, one more thing. I, I originally started this podcast with Sydney Lucas, and um, the first time we like met to be like, who would we want to like talk to? And for both of us, we both created a list. It was about twenty people each. And you were in our top 20. So this has been a long time in the making here, 126 episodes later. And (laughs) I am just so thrilled to, to finally have you on and to finally talk to you about casting. It's just such a cool thing and uh, something that's underrated. So I'm glad that we were able to talk about it here today. And I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate you being that person for us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for letting me share that casting is indeed an art and a career. It and is. Interested in it, they should reach out to me, and I'll do everything I can to try to get them into it. Oh, yes. Where where can they do that? Where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm not big on like you know living on both of those things, but right. uh, people want to get a hold of me. They they'll find the way to get a hold of me. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. You heard it from him, folks. So thank you again for doing this, and uh, you definitely deserve to take a bow. So thank you so much. Thank you, Eli. Take about Patrick Goodwin. Oh my God. Well, thank you, first of all, for sticking around if you uh, stuck around till the end there, because I think that ending was pretty. Yeah, you can't get much better than that ending. Just, just tell your the casting director what was going on uh, personally through one of the biggest auditions of my life. So thank you all for listening. Thank you so much, Pat, for coming on here to talk about literally the most underrated um, and underappreciated role here in, in our um, entertainment industry. Fascinating to talk about the difference between film and television and what it's like to Broadway audition and just what it's like because it's a process for the casting director too it's not just we talk about what it's like to be a performer and audition for film and TV and what the process how that differs and all the things but we never understood it from a casting director's point of view and I absolutely love that so hopefully there's a few of you out there who want to go into casting directing or you want to be involved in the entertainment in some way but you don't want to be a performer that's totally okay and you can do so many other things and that's why I'm doing this little special monthly thing of, you know, 
people to have on in, in the creative side of the industry that matter just as much as the performers that we all see bow on a regular basis. So Pat, appreciate you. We didn't even get into list making, which is like, I would say, blah. Oh my goodness. Rough guess, probably 40% of his job, maybe even more. That's really what it takes to um, you know, call the right people in, making sure they're available, all of that thing, what they've done, all of that. It's it's literally generating lists for artists in our community and artists that could be potential call-ins. So it was really great. I loved taking his class. I think I mentioned briefly about the class that I was taking on here last year and absolutely loved it. Pat is someone who's extremely involved in the industry and in our community, always lending his time for greater good and education and all the things. So him coming on here today was a dream come true and not a surprise because he's just so sweet and always is willing to to lend and talk about uh, casting in the future of it. So if y'all are interested, totally reach out to him. Pat's one of my favorite people in the world. I I wanted to talk to him about if he prides himself on making the audition room so so comfortable and welcoming because there aren't many audition room as a performer that I feel like I can go into and be like, oh my God, I know I'm going to kill this audition because I don't have anything to worry about because it's Pat. You know, Pat knows me. Pat wouldn't have called me in here if if he didn't want me to be here. He knows what he can expect from me. He knows I'm going to show up well prepared and I'm going to go in and do my best and do what I can. And uh, he he's going to listen to me. And and there's no better feeling than as a performer than the feeling of being heard and being understood. And Pat does that in a five minute, ten minute audition. And I always get excited when I see Telsey and Co. or Pat Goodwin on my uh, audition breakdown. So, Pat, again, thank you so much for coming on. I cannot appreciate you enough. I can't appreciate you for literally casting me in my favorite my two favorite projects really but also my favorite project in finding neverland and yeah i'm just so grateful so to to be able to talk to him and uh hopefully you all learned a little bit about casting or as a performer what a casting director looks for and uh hopefully it all helps you out to get you your next big role so thank you so much for um listening to this week's episode we did have two episodes this week if you didn't notice or listen to it already yesterday we released the cost of living red carpet opening night episode, which was very, very exciting. We had so many important conversations in that episode. It's literally like 20, 25 minutes. It's super quick, super cute. Go check it out if you're interested. But this was this was a big one. And to have a casting director, this is our second casting director of all time here on Take a Bow. So very excited to, to chat with him. And hopefully you all learned something. So thank you again for listening. And I hope to see you all next week on Thursday with a possible stage manager. Very exciting. So we're going to get a production stage manager who's literally worked on all of your favorite musicals, literally. So we're going to get into it, but he, he's been in, not in, but like involved in like 30 Broadway productions. So we're going to talk all about it. He's literally a legend, one of the top production stage managers and stage managers in our industry. So we're going to talk all about it and I hope to see you there for it. So thank you again for listening and I will see you all next week. Bye everyone. Have a great week. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. 
This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow are our fabulous editors, Jessica Lauren, who edits the audio of the podcast that you just listened to, and Tessie Tokash, who edits the videos and visuals for this podcast. And how about a bow for our executive producer, Chris Griner? And our final bow are extra special to the patrons, Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners of PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com TAB. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe on the platform that you are currently listening to this on, or go check out our YouTube where you can watch the episode. You can also subscribe, like, and comment on there as well. If you're more into the regular social media and want to follow us, you can do that at Take About Podcast across all social media platforms. The music of this podcast was made by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon, and the logo was created by Giselle Bustos. And that wraps up this episode's Curtain Call. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.